Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? So um, this morning, what we're going to look at this morning is um, when we finished our Gideon series, we've got a little gap before Christmas, we decided to do some one-off talks of things that we'd like to uh, bring to the church. And one of them we thought we would do is the story of the church. And we used to do this in membership, but we kind of changed the membership a little bit. So some of you may never have heard this, or um, you may like to hear it now as a bit of a catch-up. So we're going to pray first, because this is a story of God's faithfulness. That's what it's all about. It is about God's faithfulness underpinning everything. So let's pray before we start. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, Lord, for being in all our lives, at meeting us at some place, in our little history, each one of us, and you brought us together here at this time. And I thank you for all your faithfulness down the years to the church and all that you have done. And we just want to celebrate that now as we look at the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. So, where does it begin? When um, Julian and I met in, uh, many years ago, um, we spent seven years as evangelists, and we were based in Hereford and in Cardiff, and we used to travel the UK, and our job, our role, was to go to different churches and to help them reach their community with the good news of Jesus. But as we traveled around, we found that many churches, or most churches, weren't really geared for reaching those outside, but had become quite inward-looking, and that evangelism, as you, as you might call it, was, would happen like once a year where people would put on a mission and go and chat to their community about Jesus, but the rest of the year it wasn't really happening. And so we found that we, we had this burden in us to kind of help churches become mission-focused, to be Jesus-shaped churches, <clears throat> so that churches would be like the life of Jesus. So every day Jesus was on the streets with people, talking to them about the kingdom of God, about the good news coming, healing the sick, and could we reorient church to be like that. And then one day, God called us to Swansea. And this was in September of 1989. And we came to Swansea, and we were part of helping a church kind of restart, really, in the south of the city. And there we were, and we became used to the beautiful city of Swansea, the beautiful beaches and everything. And we were serving God. And then one day, we felt God say to us, that there was a part of the city that was unreached at that time. And so we went from the south to the north of the city. We explored it on a typical November day, this looks like. And uh, God called us to the north of the city to pioneer Cornerstone Church in November 1991. So we came to it with like, this history of evangelism, and we felt before God our role was to create a church that was mission-focused, that that would be the whole heart of the church, the whole DNA was to be like Jesus in the community, reaching out to our friends and neighbors, for each of us to be equipped to be able to share our faith, and then as a journey to be a, a discipleship community, that together, obviously, we would worship like beautiful worship this morning, and we would have teaching, we'd do all those things that are important, but our main focus would be to reach out, to reach out, to be friendly, to be open, to have our doors wide open to those outside. And so this is where we started. And uh, that little person there is Matthew, who was leading the church, uh, leading the meeting this morning. Yeah, he wasn't leading the church. <laughs> I know we were desperate. We weren't that desperate. <laughs> Three-year-old was leading the church. Anyway, so there we are. So we pioneered the church in our house. 
And uh, this, um, God told us to move from the south to the north of the city. We were renting. We didn't have any money. It was a long story, but it was a miraculous thing getting this house. But this house was also, it was a Victorian house, so it still had no heating, no hot water, no double glazing. And we, for a time, we lived in one room. We slept all in one room as a family because it was so cold. So we didn't eat every day. We pioneered the church in this house. And um, eventually, uh, one day, the council knocked on the door and said the house had come to the top of the list for a whole refurb. And so we had many miracles like that where it was refurbished, and that's where we started the church. In this place, in, in Treboth, we found that um, it was a difficult community. We got burgled 16 times in the first seven years. I remember um, some of the people in the church, we would all help each other with food and stuff like that. And we tried to, uh, so this is like the community we moved into. You know, people were renaming the streets. That's quite creative, isn't it? Um, there was a lot of poverty. People, you know, just living their own lives. These, these were the statistics in 2002 when we were pioneering the church. 53% of working age adults had no qualifications at all. And so employment was very high, unemployment. 45% had low literacy and numeracy. And it was the third most deprived ward in Wales for child poverty. And in fact, it was one of the most deprived wards for child poverty in the whole of Western Europe. 60% didn't own a car, so those beautiful beaches that we're used to going to, many had never been there. When we did a project later on with the young people, we had 14-year-olds who'd never been to the beach, and they'd never seen the sea in Swansea. Seven out of ten residents suffered as a victim of crime each year. We were one of those residents, and there was extreme truancy and teenage pregnancy, where we found children were dropping out of school by the age of 14, they weren't coming to school, they were truanting from school. Many were getting um, pregnant at a very young age, and we began to reach the young people. So we started working in schools, hiring halls, putting on youth clubs, putting on youth events. Um, but we soon found that many of these things we tried to do were wrecked. That they, one time we hired a hall and we put on a youth event. Uh, another church in the city came to help us because they had equipment, and we put on this event. And uh, several of these events, one of them... A young man brought a pit bull dog into the midst of it. We, that was an interesting evening. Another time, some kids brought their mattress off their bed, set it on fire in the entrance of the car park so nobody could get out, no one could get in. I remember we put on an event in Penland Boys' School. The boy who won the quiz got beaten up. Julian had to drive him home covered in blood. So this, it, the early start of the church was a very interesting place to be in trying to reach the community with just a few of us. And when we started the church, it was just me and Julian and seven young people. So there were just nine of us and 35 pounds. And for the first few years, we tried to be doing this, working with other churches and halls and just reaching out to the community around us. And then one day, Julian drove past the GPO sorting office that was up for sale. It had been vandalized, and um, it, was on the, it was on the market. The police wanted to buy it. And he came home to me, and he said, you know... If, we, if, we don't, if we're not visible, uh, this church is going to die. We have to be visible. We're doing good work in the community, and it's going well, but we need visibility. Now, at this time, like I said, we didn't eat every day. We were on the breadline. There were no food banks, and um, there was only maybe 20, 30 people in the church at the time. And we went and had a look at it, and we had a pray together, and we all felt together that this was what God wanted us to do. 
And so everybody pulled together resources. People gave up luxuries. I mean, I don't think we had many luxuries, but we, you know, everybody gave up whatever. People gave savings. Even some of the young people whose parents weren't part of the church, they gave as well. And so together, when it was just 30 people, we bought the GPO sorting office. But we had no money to refurbish it. So we bought it. So the church was growing. And for two years, it was there. Some people would come and join and leave because we didn't have a building. It was discouraging. But in the end, one day, Julian was preaching in a church across the city. We just had a grant from TIA Fund, but it wasn't enough. He was preaching this church across the city. And a man came up to him and said, I hear all about all the good work you're doing up in Penland and Blinamice. I grew up there. I'd love to come and see your building. And Julian said, well, I warn you, it's a wreck. It's just all, you know, it's vandalized. He goes, no, show me, show me. So he went up there, and this man was David Fender, who's now gone to be with the Lord. And Dave Fender, he came and looked around it, and he said to Julian, I have such a heart for what you're doing here. How much money have you got? And he said, well, I've only got 15,000. And it was like 90,000 pounds worth of work. And he just said... I'll do it. And he got on and he refurbished with our, with our choosing things. And then there was a match funding and, you know, lots. Of, I don't have time to go into the details, but miraculously, this old building, which I see a little bit of before and after. And how many of you actually been to our Penland building, which is still there? And we still, oh, yes, nearly everybody in the room, lovely. And if you're watching online, you've never been there. Maybe one day you will. And you'll appreciate how amazing it is. And so that's what it looked like before. And that's what it looks like now. And that's the, like the veranda. And this was where they parked the post office vans. Sorry, I skipped one. Um, this is when we were drying wetsuits, taking some kids out. This is the main hall before. And then this was when we refurbished it. And this when it was full of people at a Christmas event. And this is the faithfulness of God. Isn't it amazing what God does? It was incredible. So we just carried on serving the community, and we did many, many projects. And one of the projects we talked about the other week was the gap. And what we realized is it's no good putting on events to socialize with the young people that would then be set on fire or various, you know, imaginative things happen. But actually, we needed to help them not fall down this gap between school and work, further education, or training. So we came up with this project called The Gap, and it helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people in the community to engage them, help them to learn life skills and to employability skills, to be responsible in their behavior and gain qualifications. And so by the end of the 10 months they'd be with us, we would do a group three days a week and another group two days a week because you can't mix the groups up, otherwise you have turf war. And then we would have them from September all the way around to June, year after year. And in the summer months, we would do junior-aged children. And it just helped these young people. When funders came, they couldn't believe to see them sitting down. It's half indoor, half outdoor. Indoor would be qualifications. Outdoor was qualifications, too. This is the GAP bus that many of you may have come to the meeting today in. This is when it first arrived, and we had it done up. And that's Simon and Suzanne on the top of it, because they were... Uh, part of the team then. And actually, apart from it being delivered, I was the first person to drive it. Isn't that amazing? They actually let me drive the bus when it arrived. So, because, uh, you know, we designed it and everything. And I drove it around the, bl the block and found it's very easy to drive. So this was our gap bus. We took them out. We took them in. And then they would go out into the workplace. And this is young people getting jobs. This young man uh, always wanted to be a mechanic. He had a difficult past, but he's still a mechanic now. Somebody in the congregation was telling me they went and had their car fixed by him the other day. These young ladies, let's just say they had a very 
influential role in their secondary school before coming to us, and now they are just these beauties in the nursing home, and the matron said, do you have any more young people like this? Because they're amazing, and their lives were transformed. So many of these young people, they all have a story. Dan, you remember one day up in the gap, he, he just, he had such dreadful toothache. I said, show me, he opened his mouth, his, his teeth were in a terrible state. And I said to him, well, before you go out with Balmar, let me just pray for you. So I put my hand on his shoulder, because he's quite tall. Prayed for him that his toothache would be healed. They all got the gear ready, went and got on the bus. And as I was waving them off, I would then go and do the funding, wave them off to outdoor pursuits. I knew you were surprised I didn't run the outdoor pursuits. But um, there we are, there it is. And so as the um, uh, gap bus was reversing, it stopped for a minute, and Daniel ran back. He said, miss, miss, forgot to tell you, all the pain is gone. And, you know, on the whole year he was with us, he never had pain again, which when you saw inside his mouth, that was miraculous. And two years later, we had his brother, and he said all the family knew of Daniel that would have continual, continual toothache, but he'd not had toothache at all since that, that prayer two years before. And his brother had begged the school to come on the gap to see his life change too. So many of these young people, they're all out at work and training. One young man here ended up working for a security firm, and uh, when he was interviewed by Tear Fund for something we did, he said, put it this way, I'm on the other side of a camera these days. So what this did through, through this project, it, it helped reduce the crime rate in the area by 25%. And many other projects started to spring up. And we were asked across the nation and across other places in Wales to share what we were doing and what worked so that it could change the way parts of the education system were run to help young people who didn't fit into school. We were in the Times Educational Supplement, BBC. We were being interviewed there by children in need. And the Lord Mayor's Award for Community Regeneration, the church, as just a young, growing church now, started to win the Mayor's Community Regeneration Award so many times, year after year. They started giving it to us privately so it didn't cause jealousy. And so isn't it amazing how from these humble beginnings where we just the same as the community uh, we're hungry, we're poor, there's just few resources, just a few of us relating to the community out there every day, helping them. At any one time, we were running so many projects. We ran um, craft, aerobics, line dancing, first aid, camera club, homework club, holiday Spanish, not that I think anyone went on holiday to Spain, um, holiday clubs, all kinds of things that we ran to reach our community and say, the church is here, our doors are open. Uh, that's when Little Rascals began. It was originally run by Sean and other people over the years. And the point of Little Rascals was to help young parents to come in and find a safe place to play and to be able to copy how to play and engage with children. And there was always a Bible story and a craft so it would bring Christian input in and get alongside them in their lives. We would also run like a football club, a food club, all these things to help young people come in, Gap Wednesday, many things. And then also for the season, we ran a charity shop in Morriston High Street. So this is just a little flavor of those years where the church was active in the community and um, helping people access church and know that we are all in this together. This is our community and help them to find Jesus in their lives. And all the way through, just putting on events that we would call Christmas experience, St. David's Day experience, any excuse to have an experience, to bring people in so they would hear about Jesus, we could pray for the sick, we've seen so many people healed in the community, share with them, care with them, you know, the treat boxes and the uh, caring for the food share, all of this is a little part of it. 
But as you can imagine, what happened is that in our Penn Land Center, that we outgrew it so quickly once we had it that then we had European funding for an extension. So if you've been up to Penland, you know that the blue room and the offices down there, that was an extension. After just a couple of years, we built that. And soon we outgrew Sundays. We couldn't fit everybody in that building for a Sunday morning. We went to multiple services. Who remembers doing multiple services? Yes, I know it's popular in some places. I found I would be having deja vu. You'd preach one sermon, and then like an hour and a half later, you're preaching the same sermon. You can't remember if you made the same joke or, you know, other people loved it and could have done four services a day, couldn't they, Julian? Um, but we tried, that we tried many different ways to fit in and uh, we also made many attempts to buy a second building. Do you remember when we all clubbed together for Walker's Crisp Factory? Remember that? So uh, opposite Tesco is a big kind of, um, it's called Inca now. There's a big complex there. And uh, we approached Walker's Crisp because um, Hannah's granddad, he worked there and he introduced us. And we got to know the people at PepsiCo and they were desperate to sell it to us for, was it a million pound they wanted to send it, sell it to us? I can't remember what it was, but, but however, however much it was, it was a big leap for us. So we tried everything we could and we, we all talked together as a church and everyone's like, yeah, right, let's do it again. Let's raise money as more of us now. And we all put money in the pot and people gave things away and gave savings. Children gave their pocket money. Uh, Julian sold his kidneys. It was just, you know, we did everything we possibly could. That bit's not true. Um, we did everything we could, but we just couldn't reach uh, buying uh, Walker's Crisp. I remember the guy from PepsiCo flew over from New York and met with us in Costa in Forest Far. He said, we really wanted to sell it to you, uh, but you just couldn't quite make the margin for our trustees. And um, we were disappointed. We went back to the church like, oh, we don't have it. We've got to look again. Um, but we've raised all this money now. And everyone said, keep the money. Keep it in the pot so that when we go to look for somewhere else, we've already got it. And that was very generous and amazing. It shows the heart of the church. So then we came across this building that was an oldie supermarket, and there it is, ahead only. I like that. It was kind of a prophetic word, I felt, that we were going ahead only. So we found this building. Again, it was derelict inside. We prayed about it. We, took, we talked about it as an eldership, and we said, well, look, before we get all the church enthused again, we've got another building, because we'd had so many uh, you know, the bingo hall and this and that. Let, let's just, Clem is coming to visit. Let's see if Clem says anything. Clem's an amazing prophet. And if he says anything, then with joy, we can celebrate it together rather than disappoint everyone. And so Clem came and we had a number of meetings. He said nothing. We said nothing. We didn't mention the second building. We, did, we just were tight-lipped. We didn't say anything at all. And then I don't know if you remember, those of you who are here, on that last night that he was with us, he started to prophesy, and he said, I don't know if I should say this. And we're like, say it, say it. <laughs> we don't know what he's going to say. And he said, I see a second building. I, I see a second building with glass at the front and a massive car park and two stories, because we have another story up there, and two stories. And he said, people will think they're going shopping, but they're coming to the Cornerstone, do you say the Cornerstone Cafe? Or, yeah, Cornerstone Cafe. And of course, we put a cafe in the front, a cafe area in the front as well. So when he gave this prophecy, we're like, yes. So the next day, we brought him down here and showed him. He's like, that's what I saw, that God is giving you that. But he also said with it, don't say we don't have enough. Don't say it's too big. Don't say you can't do it. 
Because we're a church now of maybe, I know, we were like 120 people or something. But it's still a big thing to buy a building this size. And naturally you go, I don't think we can do it. We don't have enough. We're too small. We're going to be a little cluster in a big, great big hall. But Clem said, God says to you, don't say you can't. Don't say you don't have enough. Um, and he was faithful to us. So we had, what's this, like round three of funding. And the great thing about funding is this. When you hear the stories of the church, but you never got the chance to give because you weren't in the church at that point, every time we have a new venture, it's like, way! All the people who never had the chance to give now have the chance. Isn't that fair and amazing and brilliant? And so now everybody who was part of the church from this time um, gave money. And I don't know if I've got the picture here. I'll show you after. Is it this one? Yes. So this is, a, this is in our Penland building. This is our lovely Blodwin who is with Jesus now, and this is little Naomi Day. And Naomi was like the youngest child that represented all the children, and Blod was the eldest adult at that time. And what happened, we were so like a family giving to this thing that even children wanted to be a part, and like buy a brick or buy a chair or be part of it. And children would give their pocket money. And some of you are in uni now, and you'll remember <clears throat> when you gave your pocket money to be part of this, that this would be part of yours, your inheritance and your gift as well. And so from the oldest to the youngest, as Julian praying there, we all put a little envelope, little pledges in the basket saying between now and the building opening, we'd like to pledge this amount of money because <clears throat> not many of us would have it straight away. And so it was over a series of time we could save up or access funds. And the church, I remember that night, we talked about the flour and the oil and giving the little that we have to God. And look now, because of that sacrifice, what we've got here. And so we decided this is the Aldi supermarket. So here's the Cornerstone Center where all our projects go on. Um, Alpha Wales is based, the new Wankumri office. Other ones of us have offices there. That's where we work every day and engage with the community and schools and projects. And then venue two here is for Sundays, great parking, special events, our lovely cafe area, breakout rooms, conferencing. That was the vision. That's what we were hoping for. So would you like to see a little bit of before and after of the rooms that you know in this building? Here we go. So from the point of buying it, I'll just, I'll just flick you through. So this is what it was like inside when we first went to look at it. This was day one. We took a photo day one in July of starting work on it. Somebody had put cracker smile on our uh, shutters out there, and I think that was quite fitting. And here we are, this is what it looked like, gradually clearing it out, putting it together, putting our shutters on, painting the front, deciding, you know, you have a little swatch this big to decide the color of the walls, the colors of the floor, that was a great adventure. And uh, do you remember we chose the chairs together? Do you remember we went, uh, Julian and I drove up to the valleys to a chair factory and they let us bring some samples and we all had a little try one day to see which one we would go for which was the most comfy, the angle of the back. Here we are in March. This was a day, the reason I took this photo, once we had our address, do you remember this, Tammy? We, this would be our address as Cornerstone once we had a post box. Now, the building was like in ruins, wasn't it? And the only thing that was new and pristine is we screwed a little uh, post box to the front there, and I took a selfie next to it, that this was officially the day, it was kind of like publicly ours that we had a post box. This is the foyer that you came in this morning, and gradually, this is the cafe area, gradually, this is this room, it began to take shape, painting it all, 
because we had a new wine Cymru conference in May and we were trying to get it finished just in time. As Julian excited, it's going to be finished, it's going to be finished, it's paint drying. And then we put the signage up on, on the outside, that's an exciting day. And then we're sorting all it out in here. And then the van arrives with the chairs that we ordered and we start to unpack. And can you see, we're still painting the skirtings and laying the carpet as the chairs come in ready for the conference. And there we lay it all out ready. And then in May, <clears throat> the only room that really re was ready was here and the toilets. And we put on a conference for New Uncumry for leaders all around the nation of Wales to celebrate in here. And it was fantastic because this was the first thing that happened in here. Although the very first thing that happened, do you remember the Tuesday before this, we all came in here and we stood in a big circle and we were like, this is what God does when we give to him, when we give our time, our finance, um, we give our all into saying, I see this vision, this derelict old place, but I believe God's going to do something special here. And we stood in a circle and prayed together as church family in this room. That was a really special night. And then it was just full of people, leaders all over Wales celebrating. Here, everyone is worshipping. And we continue to use this for conferences all through the year. And what a blessing it is to us and to Wales. And what we used to do with these conferences is have to go to like a, a university or a hall, take all our stuff. And for those of us organizing, it was always you know, a real burden having to do that. But now it's on our home patch and you all serve and make it, make it run and make it smooth. And it's such a blessing to have this. So then we had our opening and our opening was on 27th of September, 2014. Do you remember that? And we had what we thought, what kind of opening are we going to have? So we had like a festival in the car park and that's the type of opening we had. And then we had like a little bit of a kind of service in here and that was an amazing day. It's just full of laughter and joy and people here. And we even managed to get a cake made of the Lord Mayor um, cutting, the, you know, cutting the ribbon on the thing. That was amazing. And in our signage in the foyer there where it says, Welcome Croiso, I love this picture here that somebody took. I don't know if Fionn's the one who took this one. But this is a lovely picture of Welcome that is our original DNA in this building that says welcome to every person coming through the door, every single person, no matter where you come from, how old you are, who you are, every person is welcome because Jesus welcomes every person. And it's the same DNA. And so when we opened the building, so we had the conference in May, but then carried on working on it. And there are still parts of uh, Venue 2 that aren't finished yet. There are areas in the building that are not yet finished. But when we opened in September, it is now nine years since that. Nine years. Now, I can believe that. I added it up several times, or, you know, subtracted, actually. Um, but, yeah, nine years that we've had this building. So I was thinking, well, okay, what have we been up to in the nine years since we opened this? Let's have a few little, just a little flavor. So since those nine years, there was, we, we finished off the cafe area. Do you remember that there was um, uh, difficulties with that? And eventually we were able to finish that off and we raised funds for it. And that is a lovely area that we use for special events, weddings, dedications, funerals, uh, Tuesday nights with small groups together and all kinds of other things. It's a lovely area to use. We use it for Made to Last and Alpha and it's been a really great area. There's other things still that we need to do in this place. We also started live stream. 
and so we're on YouTube. So, you know, since we've had this building, since COVID, when suddenly we all go into lockdown, that evening Julian is driving equipment around all the band quickly. We're marrying people off in the cafe area before COVID, and that was quite fun. And then, you know, we managed to get equipment, and some of it we've raised as a church, some of it we've been gifted to raise money for cameras and live stream and all the kit and have meetings with the production team. So we got a brand new set of rotors of all the production team, uh, which we're really grateful. And now we can live stream. So it's great that if you're on a shift or you're ill, you can still you know, join in the service or you can catch up on it later because they're all on YouTube. Isn't that great? I also find it's a very good tip for babysitting, putting the worship back on, and uh, your little you know, child or grandson, I like to get a mention in there, um, really enjoys the worship to see it again and again. Um, we've also hosted weddings, funerals, fun days, jubilees. Um, there's Chloe and Alpha there. There's our Christmas treat boxes last year, St. David's Day. There's just a number of things that... The church is a body of people who, who um, are a community together. And then this building and our other building are used for some of our getting together. That's really brilliant, isn't it? That we can laugh together, learn together, become disciples of Jesus together by using this wonderful building and our other one. Also, during the nine years, we have had the Mission to Wales now, do you remember what a crazy time that was where we, like, palled up? So we were the hub church for Swansea. So all the other churches in Swansea that are part of it, we all met here together, worshipped, prayed for our city, went out in twos, went to the city, talked to people about Jesus on the streets. I was shocked. Like, we come from an evangelism background. I was shocked at the openness of people saying, this was pre-COVID, saying, yes, I would like a conversation. I would like to know more. Please explain to me. We prayed with thousands of people across the nation. And so as well as us doing a mission in Swansea, do you remember simultaneously all over Wales, uh, we were all doing the same hour on the streets. So everyone would, you know, have a coffee, get together, worship and pray. And for the same hour, I think it was like 12 till 1, uh, we would all go out into our town city um, right across the nation of Wales. And then this became the hub. And I remember that um, me, Julian, and Jez, we'd go into the cafe there, wouldn't we? And Jez would have his computer out, and the numbers would be coming in from all over Wales going, 50 people prayed the prayer today, 36 people. It's amazing. And thousands of people uh, prayed to follow Jesus across the streets, um, all across the nation. And I would say roughly, I know here it was like 3,750 people or something, but roughly it's about 5,000 people made a commitment to Jesus on the streets saying, I want to follow Jesus, please pray with me now. And another, I would say at least about fifteen to 20,000 people had a conversation and said, I'd like you to pray with me. I'm not ready to follow Jesus now, but I'd like to know more. Can you put me in touch with a local church? And as churches all across the nation under the banner of New Wine Cymru, we reached our nation for Jesus. It was a good start, wasn't it? That was amazing. So also we pull everyone together here for conferences and uh, hundreds of leaders come from across Wales. We're also an Alpha Hub, and we've loved hosting Alpha here. And also our lovely students. It's just one picture of our lovely students and feeding the students. We do have a student lunch today. And just caring and looking after young people who are coming to the city. 
There was a time when we just arrived in the city. God sent us to Swansea. And when you arrive in a city and you don't know anyone, it's a vulnerable time. And we are really committed as a church to caring for young people who come from all over the world to Swansea to study and that they find a home, they find a place to belong, that we can care for them and they grow in their faith to have a dynamic future. And Penland, of course, that's still going. We revamped Little Rascals into Stay and Play. So it's got the same core values of reaching people in the community and uh, the core values of bringing uh, Bible stories and everything into it. But now we've got sensory play in there and everything, and we've revamped it, and that's going really well. Um, here's all some of the children, the like little sensory bits and bobs up there. Also, we do assemblies online and in person where Matthew and Beth and Beth and others uh, go into the schools, and they reach hundreds of children throughout the year with the gospel of Jesus sharing in schools and online, which the teachers absolutely love, um, as well as um, Alpha in the secondary schools and all kinds of other things that go on every week that we don't have time on a Sunday to talk about all the things that are going on. But every week, there are children from the smallest to teenagers, through youth, through the work in the schools um, and assemblies and clubs being reached with the message of Jesus every week. And also we have our small groups and our small group community. And what I'd like to kind of finish with really is this. 2023, we started the church 5th of November 1991. So we've just passed our 32-year anniversary. Wow, 32 years, I can't believe it. And uh, we can eat every day now, and that's really nice as well. But some of the things that have changed over the years and grown and you know, our reach has extended. That's all about God's faithfulness. It's all about God taking like our loaves and fishes that, that when they, Jesus said, well, what have you got? And one of the disciples just brought, well, all we've got is this. And a small boy gave his lunch. And I feel like when God called us all those years ago, it was like a little group of nine of us giving our lunch. That's all we had. And we gave everything we had. And then as people join, they join that DNA. They said, I'm on board with this. I want to reach people outside. I want to be part of a mission-focused church. I want to be a church that gives and cares and shares for people. And so in that 32 years, many things have changed, but our vision to be a Jesus-shaped church remains the same. Our vision to reach the lost in our city and all across the nation remains the same. And the values of caring for one another, of being non-religious, culturally relevant, a relational church, it's about the body. It's not, not about just turning up to a service, but it's being part of something bigger than ourselves. Those things remain the same, to reach our community with the good news of Jesus and for us together to be a loving, growing family of Jesus' disciples, healing the sick, sharing the gospel, and caring for one another. So... To summarize this little story, and I hope you've enjoyed it, and I know I've missed a lot out. I know Julian will be sitting there thinking, oh, you didn't mention Gwaini and, and this, and there's so many things we could mention, but I just want to take you on a little journey that celebrates God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness and God's provision. We can't do it on our own, but we can do it with God, and whatever is happening in your life, know that God is with you, he is faithful, and he won't let you down. And for us as a group, looking forward to the next 32 years, who knows? Let's just continue to devote ourselves to Jesus, to the DNA of the family that God has put us in, and see all that God has for us in the future, because even greater things than this is what Jesus has for us. So let's pray.
Lord Jesus, this, is, this story is a celebration of your faithfulness and your provision. And we are so grateful, Lord, for the provision of two buildings to do all our activities in. But we know, Jesus, it's more than buildings. It's all about people. And it's about you, Jesus, and it's about the people. The people who don't know you yet and the people who are here as part of family together. And I ask, Lord, for your great blessing on all the Cornerstone family who've come on this journey, whichever part of the journey they joined. I pray for your rich blessing on them and an assurance in their heart that you are faithful, you are the provider, and that people matter to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Hannah.